Guess what, Gabriel? What, Daniel? Exit strategy. Let's Hit roll. the theme music. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, hey. You know what? I straight up didn't give a shit that time. I don't know if that was really apparent. <laughs> yeah, no. Believe it or not, I'm yeah. pretty sure everyone could tell. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think I had to spell it out. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes you tell a joke and I'm like, you know, people are like, what? I mean, to be like, fair, yeah. this series is filled with hilarious zingers. True. Uh, like that one. Welcome, dear listener readers. Hello, everyone. To Slow Readers. Your weekly fast-paced literature podcast. Brought to you by Top Gallant Radio. This is the only explicit comedy literature podcast Fuck on yeah. iTunes, on Stitcher, uh -huh. on SoundCloud. Fucking SoundCloud. On Anchor. On, uh, I don't know if we're on Anchor, to be honest with you. Oh. Well, all right, then. We could be. Me. I was thinking about it. Uh, That's cool, though. Gabriel. Uh-huh. Uh, who and what... Do, do, is this where we are? Who and what are you? Um, yeah, I suppose okay. so. Hello, everyone. <laughs> My name is Gabe Mara. I'm a comedian every now and again. I'm a writer and a podcast producer. And if you want some chicken wings or you want some delicious, delicious cocktails in the Studio City area of Los Angeles, California, come on down to the bar at Oyster House where I am your bartender. Co-host, who are you? I am Daniel Gonzalez. Gonzalez, Gonzalez. An audio producer, writer, editor, and an author of fiction. Of note. And this is our show podcast thing. If you like what we're doing, if you're into this show in any way, shape, or form, even if you don't like this show, mm. press one button to support our show. And that's all we ask. Whatever yeah. you're doing, put down your whatever you're doing, unless you're driving, and press a single button to support our show. Hit five stars. Hit subscribe. Hit like. <laughs> whatever and if you can be bothered please write a review so we can read your review on air and fight to keep the tears out of our voices yes we are moderately entertaining we are the most moderately entertaining show there is and and a butt came after that by the way <laughs> yeah hey i took it you know what they say about butts we all have them yeah exactly yeah uh, i'm sorry i did a whole thing last time also you figured that like recording three of these in the course of like a week mm -hmm. i would remember no. The like the, the things that all we had to do for these the, the show no. and apparently like this time I'm just like what the fuck is this mm -mm. all right um remember last week when I did a whole thing based on the uh genre the subgenre that uh, Martha Wells writes in yeah speculative fiction speculative fiction how did I figure out speculative fiction you forgot <laughs> like, that, I completely... that's what you were reaching for yeah that's what I was reaching for and oh. I was like because I was like contempt contemporary it was like I was stuck in saying trying to say like contemporary fiction or something mm -hmm. like that I mean you can wow. always figure that. All fiction is speculative, but I guess Technically, it's yeah. more about speculative genres in fiction. Yeah, the genre itself is speculative. I yeah, because you're speculating on I the future. Uh, Shyla Kohler's uh, be uh, Becoming Jane Austen, I think it's called, uh, is a speculative fiction because it speculates on what it's like being Jane Austen. Wasn't Jane Austen or the other one? I think a Bronte sister. I don't remember. I should look Whatever. That yeah, she's a cool writer. Sure, we'll read that one next. And this is a show called Slow Readers. Yeah, we do a thing. Gabriel. Uh-huh. So this is here. the fourth. Mm -hmm. the and final book well, we in don't the know Murderbot Diaries. I will say, like, well, we're, this, is a, this is a big thing, right? Because we're four episodes in um, and into the, uh, the Murderbot Diaries series, which mm -hmm. should be no surprise. It's going to be in the title. And we've done this for four weeks writing now. Uh, but by here, Martha Wells. By Martha Wells. Here's the crazy thing, though, is that What's this that? this book that we just read. Tell me the crazy thing, Daniel. And the, it's crazy, but we just read this book. How fucking crazy! And it is basically the last part mm -hmm. of like a complete 
arc, which are the first four novellas. Yes. Because these are all, the first four books are relatively short. They're all roughly around like 140 pages, 35,000 mm-hmm. words. Um, sure. And, and then basically the, there is, there are, there is one more book out right now. There's another book coming out next year. Uh, that has the worst title I've ever heard in my life. Uh, which one? <laughs> oh, so no, the, the, the coming that already came out is the novel of the series, which yes. is not technically part of the Murderbot Diaries. That's part of the Murderbot series. It is a Murderbot novel titled Network Connection. Network Connection, yes. And apparently coming out soon is another novella. Next year. Is that, But is that part of the Murderbot Diaries? Well, Either way, it's called Fugitive Telemetry or Yeah, something? I believe so. Also, you Horrible keep, title. You keep saying they're not part of the Murderbot Diaries. Is that official? Um, I think there was a big argument about it on Goodreads during my research. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I don't understand that. Also, yeah, user reviews. Are I don't dumb. know. Um, but no, okay. Douglas Adams and his trilogy. But it's all part of the same. Uh, it's all part of the same series where basically the novel network effect, right? Uh, connection. Connect- Network, network <laughs> did effect? you just say it? Yeah, did I say no- number How, connection? We already forgot it. That's network connection. Oh boy, I think it's the lack of air in this room. That could be it. Uh, network effect, I think. Martha, um, I'm gonna say that not Marty, Marty McFly. But essentially, Martha like Wells. network network effect is is uh, comes up after network effect. You were correct. This series, okay. That right. And then Fugitive Telemetry, which is another novella, not a full length novel, another mm-hmm. novella, like these first four books, mm-hmm. comes out between this book, Exit Strategy, and the next one, the oh, novel. Oh, so, all right. Yeah. We were talking about that. It's, it's a went through the keyhole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of went through the keyholes. It. Uh, that's a reference to Dark Tower. If you don't know what it is, you fucking suck. <coughs> uh, Gabriel, how dare you? What? Um, that said, uh, Gabriel. Uh-huh. So, okay. Also, the thing is, like, in terms of this being the last Murderbot book we're going to do. Sure. Are we going to discuss this? And we haven't just talked about this before air or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, are we going to do Network Effect? I don't know. We'll, dis- we'll discuss it at the end. We'll figure it out. Don't open your mouth all about it yet. I can't. Okay. It's sewn shut. That's it. Uh, I need you to unsew that mouth hole shut. All right. Because uh, we need to talk a little bit about some person named Martha. Some Martha. So uh, I'm curious because obviously this is like the fourth week that we've done research and like Martha Wells isn't like a huge well, apparently. I mean, it doesn't seem like one, I guess. She's not much of a deep well. I guess Wells. All right. Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, we we've done a bunch of research on Tor, on Martha herself, mm-hmm. on uh, Tom Doherty, and um, I think ne- next time we're gonna do research on um, her Magic the Gathering series that she wrote. Mm-hmm. But this time, honestly, <laughs> I just decided to look. Let's, let's dive a little deeper into Martha a little bit. I found a wonderful interview she did with Newsweek magazine when um, Network Effect came out. So I just pulled a couple, uh, two questions, a couple quotes that I really liked. That kind of expands on the world of Murderbot. Yeah. Also, this would this would this is like this interview would have come out like months ago at this point. Twould twould yeah. have. Okay. Anyway, so here is a question I want to lead with here from Newsweek. The series is from Murderbot's perspective, who doesn't care much about the wider galaxy outside of its favorite media. But I assume there's a lot of world building at the juggle. They learn a bit about regions of space, like the Corporation Rim. But would you tell me a little more about the state of the larger galaxy? Mm -hmm. Martha Wells. The Corporation Rim does control a lot of territory, but there are a lot of independent worlds and places outside it, and also a lot of unexplored space, basically. In my head, what I see is that there was a whole society, pre-Corporation Rim, that went out and explored and colonized and developed terraformed worlds. She talks like such a fucking fantasy author. (laughs) And all these different places. The Corporation Rim then grew, took over a large section of that. There's a disruption when that happened, and so a lot of the pre-Corporation Rim colonies were either destroyed or have been lost. 
There were a lot of unknown territories out there, and I like to do that in my books. I don't like to define rigidly what the world is, or what the boundaries of the world are. When I'm reading books where, there are, where that's done, I feel like that limits the reader's imagination. Here's a bit more about her process. I'm kind of a seat-of-the-pants writer, so I don't plan out a lot ahead of time. I also like to explore the world along with the reader, so I don't talk about how the world works in general, partly because I want to get the reader concentrated in the plot, but also because I don't want to set up things so that later, when I come up with a different idea for the next book, I have to contradict myself or come up with a way around it. Mm -hmm. I'm just exploring the world. I tend to develop a lot of stuff I need for each story in particular, and then for the next story I realize, oh well, there's places to go from there, I need to explore this idea. So I'm kind of making it up as I go along, though I do have ideas about how the world came to be and what caused society to develop this way. But I don't usually get into those because it's not important for the story that's being told in that moment, but might be important later. And another fun tidbit, mm-hmm. you know last time we discussed that um, Sanctuary Moon, Murderbot's favorite TV show, yeah. is based on how to get away from murder and the Shonda Rhyme shows. Uh-huh. Um, so um, they asked her, so what is um, uh, what is World Hoppers? That's art, the, the research transport. Um, bought his favorite um, TV show. Okay. Um, that is apparently based on Stargate SG-1 and Stargate <laughs> Atlantis. Who she is a big fan and wrote several books she in the wrote Stargate for, So I think that's really, really funny. Really but she actually charming. wrote for Stargate SG-1? Did, didn't, didn't she? No, she wrote the books. She, right? she wrote books. Yeah, I was, no, sorry. I thought you were telling me that. I was like, oh, no, she no, did? No, no, no. Oh, God. Martha. So I don't. So it's not me keeping you reading. S- Daniel, do you want to read the next question? Oh yeah, sure. One second. Yeah, I have a lot to say sure. about the her method of uh, her method of uh, of writing, as, as she called it, like a seated by her pants thing. I have mm-hmm. a lot to say about that. Actually, I really want to discuss that with you later on. Yes, um, we can talk about it. Maybe now. All right, uh, the one in bold. Mm-hmm. Or should I read the, the? Well, the bold is a question from Newsweek. Yeah, the question. So I should read the answer. Read both. Okay. Uh, so the question is, with Murderbot's media consumption, you found this way to make this action hero very identifiable to us couch potatoes. Yeah, right. But mm-hmm. an additional aspect I like is that Murderbot has this untroubled relationship with media, whereas we might feel that watching too much TV is, quote, wasting our time, or that we should be doing something better. How do you make Murderbot identifiable under very different circumstances from our own? Her answer... A lot of it is just my own feelings about things. When I wrote the first one in 2016, 5,000 years ago, yeah, uh, I was very angry. I can't imagine why. What <laughs> happened in 2016? No idea. Like, uh, that was a very easygoing year. Yeah, it was the chillest of years, <laughs> Comparatively it? at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I put a lot of that anger about things that were happening into Murderbot. I think that probably comes to quite a bit. Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, also, <laughs> just some of my own experience with anxiety and growing up with that. It was even worse when I was a kid and in high school. So taking those experiences and really thinking about what that would mean for a person in Murderbot's position and leading into that. Uh, When I was growing up, there was very much the thing of, oh, TV is wasting your mind and that typical kind of stuff. But I always found it really comforting. You can critique it. You don't have to like everything about a show, but it can also be a comforting presence and keep you company. So I wanted to get into that. Uh, It, actually. Uh, It. People find different things to identify with the character. I've seen someone say someplace. Jeez, one second. I don't. <laughs> I'm like zoning out when reading her answers. Yeah, I've, she rambles. I've seen these are like clearly like written out answers too. Like this is through email. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen someone say someplace that you should take your characters very generic. 
because then more people can identify with them. But it's actually the opposite that's true. The more specific you make a character and the more specifically they talk about their fears and needs and what's happening to them, the more points people will find to identify with. Maybe she is Preposition! Anyway, Daniel, so that's all I found out about for her for this little combo we're having. Yeah, well, um... Can I also talk about that thing just just very briefly? Talk, talk. Uh, there's a couple. There's oh, two points I want to make. Is that right now I'm I'm uh, skimming through a book called uh, I think it's just called Wonder Book, uh, compiled by Jeff Vandermeer and also oh. written by him, which is basically like it's a it's a really excellent book that Jeff Vandermeer, author of like Annihilation, Born, and uh, uh, that one that just came out was Reach for the up. South. Um, but essentially like, uh, it's him talking about like the craft and whatnot. It makes it sound like it's all about creating fantasy worlds, but it's not, it's actually a lot about storytelling in general. And also specifically from the perspective of like novel writing and short fiction writing. Sure. Um, and, uh, there's one, and he interviews a lot of people, uh, everyone from like Ursula Le Guin to, uh, Neil Gaiman. Um, one of which, uh, people he interviews is George R. R. Martin. Sure. And George R. R. Martin brings up some, uh, really interesting point. Everyone has a different term to describe this kind of style of storytelling, but George R. R. Martin calls people that like, basically there's two types of writers. There are architects and there are gardeners. Architects mm. are the people who basically like build the structure and then kind of like go, almost go inward from sure. there. But like, obviously like it's all about engineering, like the shape and whatnot and the structure. Uh, gardeners are the people who like kind of like plant seeds in a specific way and you grow them and whatnot that way. Whereas Martin would describe himself as a gardener, more of a gardener, or he became more of a gardener, but saying that like the best authors, of course, also like know how to combine the two or like can be like like a mix they're not like one extreme or the other sure that's interesting that i'm uh that joe hill has gone on his record talking about how he absolutely hates outlining and does not outline he just kind of comes up with a premise and a world he likes and characters he likes and he lets it flow and sometimes that works amazingly like in nosferatu <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't work so hot like in the fireman yeah uh and of course that sounds like Joe Hill's dad, Stephen King. Yeah. Who um, just fucking goes, <laughs> does a bunch of blow and just goes for it. <laughs> well, for the first fit 20 years of his career, yeah. yeah. Imagine imagine being so fucking high that you write Cujo and you read it again <laughs> later and you're like, oh shit, this is pretty good. Well, have you heard the story about, um, it was like it, when he was doing Maximum Overdrive, the movie he made, yeah. where someone, where Stephen like, King. Where like, haven't uh, said his name. Stephen King, I'm sorry. Uh, where a woman basically asked him, like, who was involved in production, like, how do you write so much? And he's he goes, hem, like fucking jazzed on coke being like give me a subject and she says bats and he takes out a typewriter and just jams out five thousand words on bats how long did um, it take i wonder <laughs> 20 minutes 20 minutes he just nailed it <laughs> but uh but no um but essentially like people do that she had an interesting way that i want to say is that she described it as like a a, a, a by the seat of your pants mm -hmm. um <laughs> because i mean that sounds like it applies much more to this series because i imagine I, I was gonna do a little bit of research on il rian and the books of rakshasa yeah but i couldn't series, yeah. find that much info on them perfectly honest yeah, it, it reminds me of looking up a uh, lloyd alexander and his other book series where mm -hmm. like it's because um i forgot what the one was with emily something Thing or rather yeah it's like oh that sounds awesome West westermark couldn't find anything yeah western i think westermark was another yeah it was one of the other series yeah there was one that that might be the one that was like a historic like oh, an yeah, alt history right. version of like france and napoleon mm -hmm. like there's nothing fantastical but anyway yeah um but no she says that and i once watched a, a video this is also just me making a gripe um great great and i never really watched them but like some youtuber who's talking about like hey this is how you know you write and get published and whatnot right which is all filled with really bad uh, <laughs> advice. Um, I mean, uh -huh. probably very realistically, like ways to like, it's like, well, if you want to have like a career in like fiction and everything like that, yeah, it, it, it definitely works that. 
But um, she's an editor, and she basically describes that there are two types of people. There are there are plotters and there are pantsers. And how, like, essentially the idea is that, like, there's plotters, people who, like, like heavily outline, plan ahead, and yeah. you know, do that. Essentially the architect. And then there's a pantser who flies by the seat of their pants. That and was kind a of, more innocent than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that, like, I'm just watching this, and I'm like, she, she doesn't... She, I'm like, she has such contempt for pantsers <laughs> when she's talking because you can tell. Like, no one, no one call, no one's a pantser. No one calls someone a pantser and means it in a nice way. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, I'm like, I, f- I feel like we should, we're, we're due to do another book about the writing process because it fascinates both of us very extensively. Yeah. And like, I'm a, I'm one of my, my favorite manga of all time, probably. It's called Bakuman. Mm-hmm. And it's about two young men who want to create manga for um, Shonen Jump, like the, the flagship manga series. Like, all the Dragon Ball Zs and Naruto's came from that comic series. Yeah. So it's about them trying to make their thing. And a lot of it is about the editorial process. And their editor is like, well, there's normally two kinds of creators. Well, one, there's a calculating type. And that's a person who considers trends mm-hmm. and who follows, like, who, who plots something very thoroughly and figures out how to take advantage of these things. And then there's, for lack of a better term, the genius type who just does whatever they want. <laughs> and sometimes, and then, then honestly, the person who's going to get more success probably is the genius, but you can't gamble on this kind of thing. Yeah, uh, that sounds a lot. That, I tell you what, that sounds like 100% something an editor told the the, the guy who did that. that Believe makeup. it, yeah. Because like the idea is that, and the thing I got from the, this person I watched on YouTube is that editors hate those people. Be- oh yeah, they might, they're, they're yeah. probably completely unwieldy. Like if, if you get 100 people who are pantsers and 100 people who are plotters or whatever it was, yeah. like essentially like maybe like 50 people from the plotters will get published and like the pantsers, they'll be like five. Yeah, they'll at be most. five, but then they'll be like they'll be like the the fucking like massive supernovas. They're the people who who yeah who like mm-hmm. are truly successful yeah. and, and whatnot. But however, like there are a lot. I'm sure plotters also have like things called steady careers. Yeah, and the manga, the guys who made the manga made Bakuman. They made Death Note, which is like the plottiest <laughs> of plotty like shonen to ever happen. Yeah, and I'm wondering if like if the idea is that like the person was like, hey, what if we do something like really like popular and like let's really plan this out and everything like that, yeah that's you know? exactly honestly i would love to do some of the volumes of that for this thing but <clears throat> i think i've mentioned this before volume one has this weird misogynist streak <laughs> like, like, it's oh, only, no. It's, no 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 it's, it's not that bad <laughs> okay but it's only like the first couple of volumes where like at one point they're like like oh that girl she's the smartest in the room because she's she doesn't pretend to be smart or snobby and that makes her really clever she just she acts like a girl which is what she should be and i'm like what oh japan and then another point <laughs> okay it's like um the mom's like you're not going to be a manga artist because that's a bad career and she goes to talk to the husband, and the husband's like, "Like, let him do it. There are things a woman will never understand about dreams." <laughs> and I'm like, "What the fuck?" I, I mean, that definitely sounds like an old world kind of, you know. For the yeah. anime, they drop that those lines, which okay. I was really pleased. They must have got some some complaints, but I think maybe it'd be a fun thing down the line to do a couple of volumes of Bakuman. Yeah, I mean, it's only twenty volumes. Uh, advice to all people out there who want to tell a story. Um, some. Slight misogyny it might take away some of your uh your uh your audience. Yeah, some you know? of your readership might not appreciate that shit. Hey, I kind of don't I kind shit. of don't like how this is kind of really mean to my gender. Maybe if this was a little more fair, I would enjoy it more. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. so all the way back to women writers, we have Martha Wells and Exit Strategy. Uh-huh. 
It would be a really off-color joke to be like, someone who doesn't pretend to be intelligent. No, sorry. <laughs> no, it, it, it makes me sweaty rereading that thing. And it's a great manga, except for that thing. Yeah. It's really weird. It's always a, it's always a, I mean, I also read like kind of like older, like early 20th century kind of like literature where like the, the kind of, I don't know, misogyny, but just like that slight like sexism is mm-hmm. just like a little more like you hit and you just like, yeah, there's that. Yeah. It's the subtle ingrained misogyny. Yeah. It, it's this always the systemic misogyny. It's not active. Kind of like racism. Exactly. Did you know that I heartily believe that Hemingway was way more racist than Faulkner? What? Because yeah. Faulkner was just a Southern man. Hemingway was just like. What is his excuse? I mean, oh dear. well, you should hear him in his uh, uh, letters. Anyway. Anyway. Gabriel, speaking yes, of not racist. Mm-hmm. Not Wells, sexist. Not racist. As far as we know, because, you know. It's, it's, so far, this this series has been wonderful about being uh, very open to genders yeah. and um, like non-binary people. Not like no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, it's but not just even with the protagonist who's kind of uh, described as is a genderless construct or whatever, but mm-hmm. like. Yeah, you, know, you see in the humans, as you said in like a, in part two, they mentioned mm-hmm. like a third gender essentially. Yeah. Actually, Daniel, let me do something really quick. Let me okay. let me hurry through this plot so quickly. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, so because there's another there's a very important point I wanted to discuss last week that I forgot about entirely. Oh uh, sure, yeah, and, and it's it's not it's not quite part three material. It's still part one material. Okay, no, I, I can totally say that. Plus. This is a very straightforward story. Yes. yes. Very, very straightforward story. Um, Murderbot, our beloved um, freed rogue sec unit, a security unit robot. Basically, he's Robocop, mix mm-hmm. of the Terminator, but he has kind of a sulky teenage personality. Oh, she, they, sorry. Mm-hmm. Only, also, just really wants to watch TV all the time. Uh, Murderbot um, decides to return to um, their friend slash owner slash protector, Dr. Mensa, who's been captured by the evil corporation. Mm-hmm. And Murderbot reunites with the old crew from All Systems Red, um, basically Novella 1. Uh-huh. And they do a slick rescue operation, which involves a lot of combat units and battling and exchanging money and planning. Uh, Murderbot wins. <laughs> they all win. <laughs> and then um, uh, Murderbot arrives at the preservation kind of a satellite where yeah. Murderbot's trying to figure out now what to do with their life. Yeah, it, uh, and it ends with it ends with Murderbot kind of like it's essentially like the moment it like has to like refi- fix itself from like combat or whatever, mm-hmm. and then it refixes itself and it almost immediately bails and then kind of backs out and then basically talks to Doctor Mensa, its mm-hmm. its kind of owner or whatever, and basically like ends on the point that like there's a lot of opportunities and places Murderbot can go. Yeah, and it just ends with that really nice note about just saying like, and Murderbot finally has. Doesn't know, doesn't us. know which option to take, but has a place to kind of consider those options. Yeah. And then it just ends. And it's cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a good one. Yeah. So here's what, speaking of all these other writers, here is an interesting comparison that I think the whole series kind of glosses over, or maybe it's all subtext that I find interesting. Uh-huh. It's established that constructs, um, so basically um, combat units, sec units, all the robot cyborg types. Yeah. <clears throat> comfort units. They're built from cloned material. Yes. So, it's, which is only very briefly kind of like described, really ever. Yeah, it's yeah. very briefly. So, I'm wondering if this, if you pick this up, mm-hmm. that there, there is like a super subtle, or maybe I'm reading into it. Maybe mm-hmm. Martha Wells didn't intend it at all. Little element of never let me go, the Kazuo Ishiguro kind of story. Mm-hmm. That if you are built only for parts, mm-hmm. if you are a cloned human or like the island by Michael Bay, 
If you're a clone human, used only f- and you're you are Murderbot does not identify as a person, does mm-hmm. not think it's human. Most of the world society does not perceive Murderbot or any sec unit as human, mm-hmm. but the Preservation Alliance that Dr. Mensa is like president of mm-hmm. believes that, you know, units should be free. There there is this element of inhumanity that I think is treated really subtly. Or maybe I'm reading into it. No, what do you think? Because I love Never Let Me Go. That's a brutal book about yes. that exact premise. Never Let Me Go is an amazing, amazing book. I, I would have a hard time comparing it to this in any aspect. Mm-hmm. But like, but like, it, it does tackle that kind of issue or that theme in a different way. I wrote a review. Someone actually put it really wonderfully. Where like it's uh, technically you can lump this. Someone lumped this together in like a very on the same side, but kind of brutal way of basically like, oh, this is a sad robot story. <laughs> And yeah. it kind of put along with data from Star Trek. Sure. Like all these, you know, this and that. Terminator all, 2. But a bunch of them and whatever. All the Robocops. And like they pointed out that like this one though, and the most interesting thing about it is that this is a this is a robot that can't help but kind of act and behave human, but doesn't want to be human. Yes. Yeah. Like actively. Like it it I mean or anytime anything tries to like humanize it or treat it like a human, it's like, nope. Mm-hmm. No. I don't want that. No, not that. And that's and like it's a really for me personally, I'm just thinking it's a really nice balance between because like from moment one, Murderbot acts very much like a person. Yes, um, Murderbot in, in the opening on the first pages of All Systems Red, it talks about how it's supposed to be a mass murderer, but it failed at that too. Yeah, it's 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 bad at being a it, sec unit. It's it bad calls at being itself a, a failure. Yeah, and how essentially it it is bad. It is lazy at its job. It just it, it like watches people, hopes that they don't die, mm-hmm. and then watches TV essentially the whole time. Yeah. Um. It it watches TV instead of researching like the people that it's supposed yeah. to be covering. It talks about how dumb it is and how much how much they should know more, but that but didn't bother. Yeah. It making fun of human for being humans. Yeah. Um, and not just like in like a cold calculated way, but just kind of in a very kind of like looking down at them way. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um. But then again. Everything about Murderbot is that it doesn't want to actually be human. It's trying to figure out what it wants to be, even though it doesn't know ever really what mm-hmm. it wants. So I guess I guess that was my ultimate question. That uh-huh. I think that's the thematic connection I made in my head. The first time I realized they're clones, uh-huh. there's a thematic connection of does Murderbot Murder does Murderbot not want to be human because they're not considered human? Have they been has they been have they been programmed to not be human? Because I think that Martha Wells is aware of that theme. Yeah. But she's actually doing it in a very subtle way, which I think is something I didn't really pick on truly pick up on truly until this one. Mm-hmm. But where that murder bot is just desperately doesn't want to be human. Yeah. But uh, but maybe that's that's an <clears throat> element of of maybe Murderbot has very good reasons that are more subtextual than active and you know than environmental for not wanting to be human. I, I have a I have like this thing about the idea that it's kind of playing on the idea that hey if a robot lo- a robot must be envious of what it's like being a person and yeah. how like in this case it's like nah mm-hmm. not really I no. mean like Murderbot they, is they fine. talk about it in this one yeah then. like it's fine being a construct but like essentially like it's like why would I want to be human or more human like essentially to be more human means you're more emotional and yeah more more flawed more flawed and everything like that like it's kind of it's already kind of better than being yeah human. um but yeah do you have yeah do you have any i mean like th- they actually did discuss it in this one they did in this they? one okay. I, I suppose my, my ultimate point is that i i had not been giving martha wells enough credit prior or maybe i just made a jump in my own logic to appreciate it in a way mm-hmm. because ultimately these are just fun rollicking sci-fi adventures uh-huh. with a reluctant hero who'd rather just be watching tv very true but i think 
I, I want to hope anyway that Martha Wells actually is sneaking in some really subtle commentary about about robots and humanity. And from the interviews I've read, I believe that's what she's doing. Yeah, I I can I, I like, can like, I raised my brow this time. I'm like, oh, that's actually really clever, Martha. You, you raised a single brow, one brow all the way up. Gabriel Gabriel's review of Exit Strategy in the entire Murderbot series, his first four books, one eyebrow raised, one eyebrow raised, not two. Nope. Two is like Lolita. <laughs> yeah, or two twice. Just go. Whoop, whoop. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's uh, that's not Lolita. That's um, what's a sexy book? Um, Fanny Hill. Fanny Hill. That's Fanny Hill. You go. Fanny Hill. Wank, wank. <laughs> that's not the sound of that prospect. Wank wank. Well, Ga- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gabriel. Yes, Daniel. Uh, uh, infinite, uh, infinitely interesting point. Thanks, bro. That was me not talking right, and then I, I bent that cord until it was mm-hmm. an actual good thing. Uh, uh, a fantastic point. But before we did, we're getting dangerously close to talking about how we feel about the story. Oh, oh, oh no! I think we need to pump the brakes. We need okay. to go on break. Okay. When we come back, we have a game to play. Tight. And when after that, we'll talk about how we fucking feel and shit. Gabriel, <laughs> throw us a break. All right, here we go. Bye bye. Welcome back. Hi, dear listener readers. How are you? To slow readers. America's Fast-Paced Literature Podcast! It's a good time, and I'm still Gabe. And I'm still Daniel. Yay, Daniel. And this is game time. Game time. It's winning time. Gabriel? Yeah, what's up? I'm sorry. <laughs> I zoned out. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabriel? I'm kind of loopy is, today. Is it like the lack of air in this room or something like that? It should might I, be. I should put on the fan. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway. So I'm tired. Gabriel? Yeah. We have a game that mm-hmm. we like to play, and okay. pretty much every time it's my turn to make the game, like uh-huh. it is now, a little thing called Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper, gatekeeper, seasons. Gabriel, yeah. This is the game where basically I make like I kind of have a prompt. Mm -hmm. It's uh, alluding to like a subject, an item, a a title of something, whatever. And basically, you have to guess what it is. Okay. And to guess it, I will give you ten gates, aka hints. Mm -hmm. And basically, for every gate that you select at random. One out of ten, you're selecting it at random. Uh, basically, I'll read. I'll read you the hint, and you can choose to guess it. And if you get it wrong, you lose two points and move on to the next one. Blah. Or you can choose to pass, lose a point, and move on to the next one. You start with ten points. The point is basically to, or the point is, <laughs> uh, the point is essentially to end up with the most points uh, possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think your high score right now is seven. And uh, interestingly, I think your lowest score was last time, which was yeah, one. One point. It was an intense good game, but yeah. you. you- Barely, you barely made it in the black. I right? got way into my own head at that one. Yes. And also the entire time you were talking about that, I'm just formulating a brand new game to play. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. It'd be like an inverse of Gatekeeper. Okay. All right. I'm fine with that. I mean, cool. hey, go for I it. Gotta write it. I gotta write it down after call, You can call it Keeper Gate. Keep Gator. Keep Gator. There you go. Keep Gator. Um, but essentially, Gabriel, last yeah. last time we were talking about like the possible murder bot diaries getting sold for like TV rights and film rights. What? Which, by the way, I don't know if that's an actual Hort? thing. I don't know if that's an actual thing. To be honest with you, I tried looking it up. I didn't sure. see anything. Um, Honestly, they'd be dumb not to. And Gabriel. Yeah. I just want to say that last week was so fun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it again. Okay, let's do it. Gabriel, I, I love Gatekeeper. The, sub- the subject last time was uh, classic Film or te- and or television adaptations sure. that are based on like a novel, a short story, this is a, a literature comic game. series, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So basically I'm going to refer to the original as the source material. Okay. So for example, if I'm talking about 
if the answer is Lord of the Rings, you sure. know, there is the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies done by Peter Jackson or that Ralph Bakshi cartoon movie, which the is Baksh. fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the source material would be the Lord of the Rings novels. Okay. So Gabriel, and I just want to say for the listeners out there, uh, again, this isn't something obscure. Yes. Like the, the idea is that like Gable at least very, very, mm. very uh, will know. Yes. Um, at least the classic movie. Yes. Daniel's deliberately ob- obfuscating a obvious answer. Yes. And hopefully we'll see what it's like. Cause last time I thought like you should have. I knew it. I just. <laughs> you said the title. See, what I didn't know <laughs> yeah. was that it was a source material. I actually didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I won't give the thing, but if people out there who haven't like listened to it could definitely listen to the last uh, yeah. two episodes like, ago. The answer wasn't the book. That can't be right. You say the composer's name and I probably gave a very telling expression. Yeah. I gave multiple <laughs> answers to it. It just, it just didn't come together. Yeah. That said, I have another one. And I need you to guess at least the title of what I'm going to call the classic movie. Okay. So, Gabriel, mm-hmm. hit the theme music. Okay, 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 okay. All go. right. Here we go. Gabriel? Yep. I want you to pick a number. I'll keep points for you. Okay. Uh, between one and ten. 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 Okay. Hold on. <laughs> right. Oh, jeez. No, no. This is, this is, um. I don't know. It might or may not help. All right. <clears throat> okay. The writer of the source material was involved in production of the film. The French love this person. The creator was inducted as Chevalier of the French Ordre des Arts et des Lettres and later was promoted to officier. The creator was also inducted into the Eisner Award Hall of Fame. Also still live. Interesting. That's very interesting. French love the person. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, clearly Jerry Lewis. Clearly Jerry Lewis, yeah. Yeah, definitely an Eisner <laughs> Award winner. Yeah. Okay, okay. So you had 10 points, you can make a wild guess and possibly lose two points if you get it wrong. But if you win, you get 10 points. You end with 10 points. That's a new high score. So can you repeat the repeat the question? Okay. Uh, the the writer of the source material the was, gate, was involved with the film. Okay. Oops. The French love this person has like a lot of highly esteemed like French like like uh, titles. Um, <clears throat> the creator was uh, inducted into the Eisner Award Hall of Fame and still alive. Oh, Daniel, you know I like to play aggressive. I'm gonna oh, make a shit. swing. Okay. Is so I'm naming the movie. Yes. Is the movie Valerian Battle of Two Worlds or whatever? Uh, which I believe is yeah. All right, is that your answer? Yes. Gabriel, you lose two points. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. You're down to eight. You're still in the gun. You're still in the thing. The next one could essentially be it, and you get a new high score. Okay, okay. However, one second. Let me mark that down so I don't forget it. I forgot to do that. So you have eight points. I need you to pick another number between one and nine this time. Okay. Um, Seven. Seven. Let me just mark that real quick. Okay. Starring Lucy Liu. This one probably isn't going to help Okay. Some of them are like a little more obscure than others. Sure. Sometimes like, I'll give like really interesting factoids that like are probably more than anything. Like, it's, it's part of the game. It's yeah. a real grab bag. I yeah. could be lucky and just pick the right clues right away. Because I also, uh, I know, usually I know what Gabe knows pretty well in terms of things like this. So like yeah. I can gauge like, there's a lot of things that are going to be like too obvious that I don't want to name. Okay. So. That's it. Number seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the music for the film was performed by a quote, musical collective that was founded in 1974. The group consists of, quote, hundreds of people from all walks of life, journalists, doctors, engineers, students, businessmen, etc. The person who composed the score 
is a well-regarded scientist who scored very few films. What the fuck? Yeah. Boy, that's so random. Okay. A collective. A musical collective. The composer is a scientist. And they only did and they only did so many scores? Only did so many scores, yes. And I do want to say, I believe that is the case. I'm following a lot of this based on like Wikipedia, so like a lot of his information comes from there. Mm. Let's see. Scientist composers. Scientist. There's Thomas Dolby, of course. Yes, there's Thomas Dolby. Who blinded people of science. Yes. There's Ryoichi Sakamoto. I might be a racist and think that Sakamoto was a scientist just because they're Japanese. <laughs> so. I think that is racist. I think that's racist. It's like, he's a scientist because he's some kind of Japanese <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Unless, I, unless like, seriously, if I look it up, like, Sakamoto's like, yeah, I'm a fucking scientist. Could be. Really? Yeah, I'm Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> Duh, dude. Duh, dude. Um, I do not know. I can't. I can't gamble. Right. You're gonna have to guess. Uh, pick another number between one okay. and ten. Um, four. All right. Did you, did you? You're down to. You're down to seven. Okay. You're seven still points. Tie. Yeah. All right. You're down to. You go to four. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Hopefully, hopefully this one will be a big step up. Okay. Like the movie Step Up. Step up to the streets. All right. The classic film influenced and inspired many stories in pretty much every single medium. Some of the least likely homages. Are a trio of music videos from Electro- Electronica band M83, a Kanye West music video, an Alex Proyas film that isn't as good as everyone says it is, some level design in the video game Half-Life, Batman Beyond, the, quote, American Noir adult animation series Spawn, and Battle Angel Lita. Oh, my interesting basically another way of saying that let me repeat that it it's influenced a lot of things some of like the less obvious like influences are or they're maybe they're obvious if you've seen a lot of these a tree I have. a tree of music videos from uh by, by electronica band m83 I've seen that one. a kanye west music video an alex proyas film uh that is as good as everyone thinks it is uh some level design in the video game half-life the first one at least that's specifically in the first one Batman Beyond, the TV series, the American Noir adult animation series Spawn, and Battle Angel Alita. It it might be, that might be more, also a lot of these things are really long, by the way, in case you're going to tell. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay. Um, I feel like Blade Runner's too obvious. That's far too obvious. Wow. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I, I'm going to go for you. Uh, Daniel? That's a stab. Is it Blade Runner? Is it Blade Runner? Yes. I want to say final answer every time, but is that your, <laughs> is that your answer? Yes. Gabriel, you mm-hmm. lose two points. Oh shit! Okay. You're, you're down to you're under six. Six points. And you're automatically moving to. Whoops. The I next love one. Batman Beyond. You're moving on to the next one. Gabriel, pick another number between one and ten. Um, two. Right. I'm also wondering if like it's because that I know this is like such well well-known territory between the two of us that like i feel like i could be like just obscure enough yeah no i think yeah. i think that i mean like in, I, I think in a sense a lot, that yeah. you you would win we, we could introduce a versus game by you just being the right amount yeah so like it's like the right challenge daniel is the gatekeeper gabriel number two you said right yeah okay the source material is a comic okay i assumed that the material so eisner award winner the material that was adapted into the classic film lasted for eight years the classic film came out before the comics run completed that le- the classic the the comics run that the film is based on 
was actually still running when the film came out. Okay, I think I know it. Gabriel, what is the answer? The answer is Katsuhiro Otomo's Akira. Gabriel, is that your answer? It is. Gabriel, you get six points! Yeah! Very, very good up there. I mean, you made like two, you made two really like strong swings, so yeah, that's who, good. Who was the, who's the musician? Who scored it? Oh, I don't know. Some Japanese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, he uh, no, he's a scientist. He works in a, he, he works in like a lot of now. Fields. Who's racist? He he. Uh, uh, oh, that's, I don't. I'm not very good at pronouncing some of these names, especially like the oh, the name the name of the collective, which by the way he founded. Mm. Um, but like it like they're kind of long names. Uh, but essentially, yeah. Uh, he like the he he works in like things besides even like audio science and everything like that, but also all kinds of like natural sciences and engineering sciences. Like he's just cool. He's just a freakishly smart person. I love it. That's rad. Right. No, I would have gotten that if I got the right clues. Yes. I think that's that's the fun of the game. That like it, it just it's also part of the draw. Also, I want to say French love him, <laughs> but he hasn't done too much besides like Akira and that one thing about the the flying yeah. island or whatever. Uh, St- Steam Boy. Steam Boy. Yeah, I was looking it up. He's done like he's done like a bunch of movies. It's just yeah, like it's all over the place. And interesting enough, like uh, one of the things that I obviously I had to hold back in is that. Um, uh, Otomo, who did the entire comic, like r- like wrote and drew it, um, directed the fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, which is which is crazy. one of the, the greatest visual achievements in the history of cinema. It, it's like the comic is amazing, and the and the movie is just amazing. Modern modern anime still can't hold a candle to Akira. But then again, Akira had one of the biggest budgets ever for an animated yeah, film. You made this point that like essentially like most people working in the industry post nineteen eighty eight when the film came out, like mm-hmm. in some ways like involved with Akira. Yeah. Um, it, I, I know that like one of like the, the people who was killed in that really horrible arson attack, like yeah, last year in Japan, awful. um, like there was like one of the guys who was like involved in like a key animation thing, whatever. Oh, wow. All right. Do you, do you mind if I read? Please some of do. The other I'm ones very curious. You know, I love Akira. Yes. Uh, so some of the other ones, uh, the source material and the classic film were, were released in the same decade. The film is an international hit. That was number one. Uh, number three, the classic film is the only film in this franchise, meaning no sequel or prequel or film or anything uh, has been released. Hollywood has attempted to make a remake or live a- uh, ac- uh, adaptation, I'm supposed to say, for decades. Um, but despite close calls, nothing has come to fruition. Okay. Um, interesting enough, I also looked up that uh, on the Wikipedia page uh, for Adomo that it ha- that he's attached to an Akira series. Hmm. But that's like... It's like something that probably like is in the very very early nascent stages. I feel like we're due for a Akira like remake directed by Otomo, covering the entire comic instead it, of the first three yeah. volumes. Uh, essentially, it's actually a lot like Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, where mm-hmm. like the climax of the film happens like towards the end of the second volume mm-hmm. out of in the, in the for Akira six. Yeah. Um. But if if Otomo makes a a, a a a tv series out of it i'd be so fucking i'd happy. be so fucking hyped i don't want anything else i don't care how much we all love uh, uh taika waititi i don't want him making i do not want that to happen uh moving on number five was the source material is tagged with these subgenres cyberpunk political thriller and post-apocalyptic you know i love cyberpunk uh and political thriller <laughs> <laughs> uh, number six both source material and film have many direct influences some of the least likely ones are star wars the comics of frenchman mobius punk rock culture and an animation series that was released in america under the name gigantor sure which which like i want to say gigantor and robot jocks were like the vhs's mm. i had as a kid also weirdly <laughs> enough the thing even though i've never played it the thing that clinched my understanding was it's like like oh sci-fi and half-life oh weird goopy aliens it's akira yeah 
supposedly like there was like a canal stage that was it's like i'm actually having trouble remembering that but anyway uh two more real quick um the, sure. the film is 124 minutes long it cost 5.5 million dollars the film was the sixth highest grossing in its native country mm. uh that year yeah um a 4k release was scheduled for this year but the dates have been staggered due to covid oh that's too bad yeah 4k it, akira holy shit and it actually was released in japan already i'd in buy the, a 4K, 4k tv for that Oh, yeah, oh, I would see it. I mean, the point is to see it in theaters. I, I'm actually yeah. curious if it has been released in thing. IMAX. Last one. This one's fun. Number nine was when I search for the classic movie in iTunes, the first three hits under the movie category are Captain Marvel, Isle of Dogs, and Ron. <laughs> wow. So, like, I was curious what you're going to make of that. That was going to be a huge kind of like, like. What does Captain Marvel have to do with that? I don't know. I love dogs because Japan. Because Kurosawa and shit. And run because of Akira Kurosawa, the filmmaker. Sure. Gabriel? Yay! Good job. That is that is up there. You're at, you're at number it. six. I did it. You you reclaim some of that honor so you my lost pride, last time. Some of my lost shame and pride. Very good job, Gabriel. Yay. Always lots of fun playing Gatekeeper. Sure is. That's it. Mm-hmm. We're going to break. Okay. When we come back, we're going to talk about feelings. Okay. All right. Throw us to break. Hi. Two. Hello. Slow readers. We're still talking about exit strategy. Still fucking loopy as shit. Akira. Whew, Akira. Tetsuo. Oh man. You're that... supposed to go Kaneda. Kaneda. Tetsuo. Kaneda. Well, it goes through all the names. Yeah. It's Brought a... to you by Nicholas Vending Refn. Uh, I just want to say the the fucking vinyl that I have. Did you bring you it with you? Better... No, I don't bring it with me. I didn't bring my vinyls. Those things are a nightmare to travel with. Bro, you better bring them for this time. Well, we'll see. I also need turntables. I don't have turntables. I also don't have anywhere to store it. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the other big thing. That's fair. But no, it is beautiful, and I especially that main theme is probably one of my favorite. It's fucking gorgeous. One of my favorite pieces of fucking music. Hey, I mean, gonna, dipshits! Gonna... If you haven't watched Akira, do it. Or just go on uh fucking Spotify or some shit and look at the one track they released from that thing, the album on 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 the thing, which is basically the the the, the main theme, which is just called I think Canada. Um, mm. but anyway. So, fun fact, Ryan Snyder, not a fan of Akira. <gasps> <laughs> oh my god. I know. Ah, Jesus Christ. That yeah, guy. that fucking guy. <laughs> He's so mind-blowing. Yeah, love you, buddy. Yeah, I love you, man, but fucking god yeah, damn fucking it. fucking get it together. Kick me in the balls, why don't I you? I know. From the from the grave. He's just like, <laughs> you're like, you're like I'm like, ow, what the Fuck hell? You. How'd you do that? I don't like anime. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's it. Uh, 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 fucking stress <laughs> exit strategy. Yeah, uh, which has a titular line in this one. It I, does. I, I don't know if the I don't know if the other ones have. No, uh, the no- other ones did not have any titular lines. I'm almost certain. I, I'm really proud of this, and I didn't say this uh, early on, but this is the the first book out of all of these four books that we read. Right, the first one I bought the uh, the ebook for, which mm-hmm. I hated reading the ebook because I hate ebooks apparently. Also, you don't have you don't have a reader. Which no, it makes don't. it horrible for you. I have my big stupid iPhone 11 phone in my in my computer. But yeah, if you happen yeah. to get an iPad, it'll make it really easy to do Bakuman. Yeah, no, I want a fucking. So I can give you my Shonen jump login I, I want an ipad like it's honestly like i'm, I'm trying to look into getting one. listeners sign up for our patreon one of the goals is daniel gets an ipad and every time you reward it we will say your name out loud on the show and mispronounce it and mispronounce it every time <laughs> but uh so this one uh the, i'm sorry two and three i listened to the audiobook written by not uh uh Ro- robot in hiding uh kevin r free kevin r free wink total human <laughs> 
Uh, this one, though, I have a, an actual physical copy of the book. Sure. Uh, best two bucks I've ever spent in my life. Yeah, you got it at the last bookstore. Um, one of the very best bookstores in all of the state of California. Yes. And uh, and yeah, so two things I want to say. One, the, the title is actually something refers to something that happens in the book. Yeah. Uh, and two... I think I started with two. Uh, <laughs> two. Uh, the cover, I think, has something to do, has actually features a scene from the. I think the they all do, or just don't look that closely. I, I, I guess so, yeah. But uh, so, yeah. So They're I, not very impressive covers or titles. They look like a Magic the Gathering cover. I feel uh, like the, this, they could have gone full. I would love to see classic tour covers of these where yeah, someone does uh, like, a, like a. So, Daniel, you'll, you'll appreciate this, I okay. think. My the way I always imagined Murderbot before I saw the cover of Awesome's Red uh-huh. was the other guy from Appleseed. Okay, Briaros. I guess so, but like a big muscular like robot man, like genderless robot man type thing with almost like bunny ears. No, I, to- I totally yeah, I-, I can totally see that. That's interesting. I, I was thinking about that too. I, I and then it I- has Murphy's face from RoboCop. <laughs> I fluctuate between how I picture Murderbot. Um, a lot of the times I picture, I picture, I picture Murderbot is more of a, as more of a female mm. and, um, and it probably more of like a Masmin Shiro type lady robot. Sure. Um, not as oversexed as some of like his more yeah, recent, on, uh, Shiro. illustrations. You dirty old yeah. man. No, there's also, I, I this is Don't too, stopping you. <laughs> this is too deep a cut, but there's a wonderful webcomic called questionable content that features humans having like relationship problems mm-hmm. and at some point it gets really into like android fighting which i, I love and there's a character who is like a a combat robot who might well be very well inspired by a uh, fucking murder bot who yeah. is a um, a woman robot who has a fucking tanker body and mm-hmm. is awesome yeah it, it's a great it's a great series great web comic one of my favorites my mind fluctuates between how i picture the character i, I usually picture picture it more of more of a woman i think because in my caveman mind i i the way the character thinks you're in the character's head throughout the all the books and whatnot mm-hmm. i picture more effeminate so like for mm-hmm. me just in my mind immediately goes like oh there's a woman but i don't know maybe that's just me being dumb in any but, case daniel how did you feel about Exit strategy um, of the Murderbot Diaries. Well, reading by this, Martha Wells. Reading this, like yes. physical book this time, yeah. like a book is mm-hmm. supposed to be read. Um, I have to ask, like, are they always this slow for the first like half of them? Every single one. Okay. Every single one. At least the first fifty pages are, with the exception of a uh, book two of Meeting Art. Yeah. They're all really boring for the first 50 pages minimum because i feel like especially with like the last one like the first like half of it Mm -hmm. i feel like my mind tunes out until halfway point when there's like um like a a a combat unit attacking people and it's like depicted like an alien attack or whatever well then if i can interrupt you okay here is the big there's a second big thing i want to bring up to you this episode that i meant to bring up a while ago besides the kazuo ishiguro thing and here's what i hope to discover through my research but i was wondering do you think Martha Wells has even a rudimentary understanding of hacking and coding, or is this all made-up jargon that she, like, she has a, a process in her brain that Murderbot taps into this, that does this, as well as to do this, to do this, to do this? Because I know nothing of coding and hacking, uh, yeah. and it sounds legit to me. Because, but, but Martha Wells spends a lot of time going through like the hacking and coding and like walls and etc. Yeah, no, I, I believe no, I believe she has like a ba- like an understanding of what of what of what all those concepts are and how they work enough to like. She I'm sure she does research. Yeah, I'm sure she did her research. So like all this can be like legit. I mean, or she's she, an anthropologist. Or she builds. Yeah, yeah, she's an anthropologist. 
Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, so no, I, I think she does. But um, I want to say like, because like the one thing I want to say for the first half of this, like like a couple of major things happen. Sure. But like it felt like a lot of time was spent talking about Murderbot going from place to place, staying incognito and off like cameras and everything like that. Yeah. Just to just until she meets uh, the her old team from book one. I but, do like, like the city descriptions though. For me, that that's yeah. much more enjoyable. For me, the the previous one. Whose name I forgot? Um, uh, Rogue Protocol. Yes, that was the most boring one. The longest setup, the most boring shit happening. And this yeah. one for me, like it goes back to book two, like a little bit more cyberpunk. Like Murderbot goes through some places and buys some shit. I I think that like it just it just has like a little too much describing the nitty gritty of like like having a description of like the city, like having the character have like an establish the place that everything takes place in is really great and wonderful, especially if it's like a really new, interesting take. Mm-hmm. But like I just felt like so much time was spent getting Murderbot from like point A, B, C, D, E, F. And you're just like, wait, why did we go through A through F? Like it should be like A, B, C, maybe? And this was longer than all the rest of them, too. A li- yeah, a little longer. So, like. And most of them are about 150 pages. This one was 172 in my Kindle format. Yeah, something like that. It, it, it's like it's like a few thousand words longer. Um, but, like, essentially, dog attack. Dog uh, attack! <laughs> but essentially, um, yeah, no, but that's it. Okay, so. That said, the book overall I like. Uh, it, it gets really action packed for the second half of it. It does. It's very action. I don't think any of any of the other books are anywhere near as actiony as this one. Yeah, this one goes into a lot more detail of like of you know like the combat. Yeah, there there is a really. And this is the first time he encounters a combat seki in it, which he dis- which um sorry they mentioned in All Systems Red, I believe. Yeah, and it's always kind of like referred to and everything. Like now we finally see one, and like there's an entire section essentially that is like an actiony, a huge actiony scene. Between Murderbot and like the Comet Sec Unit and two other seconds. But done really like well too. Yeah. And then after that, there's like another really complex one about like how. It was they, a hacking battle? Th- like a yeah. little Shadowrun thing? There, there's like a construct that is purely uh, signals or whatever. Yeah. And like and it's attacking like the ship and everything like that. Jesus Christ, what is going on? There is, for the listener's sake out there, I just want to point out, there are dogs barking their heads off like on the other side of this wall. And there's also like a drill. I'm guessing there's someone in like out, out on our front, like like this wall mm-hmm. faces the front of our building. Uh-huh. There must be a truck out there with a person out there doing something, and our neighbor's dogs are standing on the balcony barking at it. I guess so. I, I just had to say it because you hear the dogs bark, and then you hear a, and then I just want to say something because it went, and I went, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, home studio. But yeah, so that's and then like it has, but there's also like some really nice moments with like. Um, when you see what the moments where Murderbot truly acts human to other people and whatnot, uh-huh. um, always like really great and everything. Uh, Murderbot admitting that, like, uh, like why did you do this? And they just admitting, being like, because I wanted to win. Yeah, you know, that. like that's that's great. You know, I like that. It's also a really realistic kind of like construct kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't really looking. It's just like kind of being like, listen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a machine. I'm supposed to do a thing, and if I yeah. I need to win, mm-hmm. so. But no, I I I liked it. It's. It's definitely a good one. Uh, uh, Dr. Mensa and Murderbot are really interesting in this one, unlike in the first one as much. Yeah, there's a better pairing in here. None of you know what Do- like Dr. Mensa's more about. Even her crew is a little bit more fleshed out this time. Yeah, I was going to say that. You brought up this point interest like before where like someone asked Martha Wells like, if you could hang out with any character from this, and she uh-huh. said, like, Rath- Rathi? 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 
And like, and we were like, Rathy. Rathy. What, <laughs> what, what was that person all about? Because that was just like some guy in the first yeah. one. And Pin Lee also has much more personality in this one. Yeah. Uh, I think in the first one, the only ones who really had character were like, uh, Garathan. 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 I, I, uh. I don't really. Oddly enough, this is the ones where I, I haven't, I haven't heard his name said out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, like in this one, like in the first one, like they weren't all that interesting. In this one, they all also there's like four instead yeah. of like. And I think in the first one had like a Eight. dozen or something. Yeah, like that. it was yeah. a lot. Like it that it like we, we like meet this. them again. It's like and oh, Murderbot runs into these two again. I'm like, <laughs> were they in the first one? Huh? Yeah, it's like I don't know. I don't know who these people are. I don't know. Anyway, beats me, bro. But yeah, uh, so Gabriel, how did you feel? Because you felt also, I want to say that you really liked the second one. Yes, you're disappointed by the third one. Yes. How did this one? truck up to you i like this one a lot better than the third one for sure <laughs> second one is still my favorite um yeah my, my ranking right now is two four uh one. three one one oh, yeah. three one's the one one's the one you like the one least. did very little for me yeah. actually i think i like i like i think i like one no there was there's mickey i like mickey a lot one had the least amount of shit that actually mattered to me okay so but i, I know it's just place setting I, I don't dislike it at all I just I just like all the rest of them better, yeah. and um I like this this one had was much more straightforward. Even though like, once again it takes a while to wind up. Yeah, but I really felt it this time. <laughs> yeah, there there's the city, there's characters, there's a place. It um it's it's gonna be my hazy memory, but it's like Murderbot's like thrilled at how big a TV they have in their hotel room mm-hmm. that they stop for a second. Like, oh, my display is huge, <laughs> so it's yeah, like um. <clears throat> And also, for the first time, really, I also really felt that the first one, and All Systems Red, the action wasn't that clear to me that no. I'd be reading it, and I wouldn't even necessarily be speed reading it like I normally do, but the signifiers just weren't there, like, oh, there's a thing that blew up, and then Murderbot dives, and then there's <laughs> Dr. Mentz, okay, whatever. And this one, that was a really great action sequence that I really could picture where Murderbot has activated all the cargo loaders. Like, so I imagine like a fleet of like cranes and like robots like swinging around wildly mm-hmm. and trying to fight these other sec units. And it was cool. It was rad. I could picture it. And like the, it really kind of came to life for me in this one. The action did at the very least. And I like the rest of the characters. So it's um, still no one in here I like as much as art. So, a little spoiler for you, Daniel. Mm-hmm. I read in the interview that Martha Wells wanted to make network connection, network effect. I can't say network connection. Yeah, network yeah. effect Wonder- because she really wanted to bring back art. Okay. So it's going to be a lot of art and uh, art and Murderbot in uh, Network Effect. No, I'm happy with that. Which I'm thrilled to hear. It it, it felt like art was just going to come back. I yeah. mean, you know, it, it's like the it's the. Yeah, thing again, of art, art is asshole research transport. A yeah, from book two. A AI aboard a ship. Yes, um, constantly gets mentioned though, even though he's he, you know actor doesn't actually show up. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's a good point with the with the actiony bits. And I've always wanted to say I wanted to read that's the 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 climax of uh, book two because um you know hearing it is not the good way of like reading a really well yeah. done actiony scene. Uh, and this uh the one of my favorites, and it might be I don't think it's going to be my hazy memory actually, but um. Uh, with the first thing when there was supposed to be a ransom exchange for Dr. Mensa and like mm-hmm. money or whatever, 
and uh and murderbot foils it whatever and there's like this thing where like murderbot standing outside a room where like some guy from like gray chris the evil company yeah it's holding people listens to the voice and like in the space of like a couple sentences it like does this charges in and like slams him against like completely disables him or whatever it just happens like that and yeah it, it's cool uh, it was really it was really well described and everything like that martha wells Mar- uh, you wouldn't think this from reading that first book but uh really good at doing action yeah, yeah no i'm i was very pleasantly surprised very hard to do in prose yeah it's extremely difficult yes it, it really is um only f- very few authors i know ever have done anything at all what do you mean good. you mean james axler of deathlands didn't, didn't nail it for you <laughs> or it's all just jeeps driving down the vac- yeah. volcanoes and paragraphs describing the exact gun model and ammunition yep and i'm not describing no country for old men which is actually does that it does that but, but it, it seems it right? like it it seems like it does that for a reason though anyway sure uh that's it anyway gabriel um so here's the thing i wanted i want to discuss and okay. uh because i don't really know what else to say really about specifically exit strategy um, i'm i it was good and now i'm looking forward to network effect yeah do you want to do you want to read it like we're not gonna do it for next week no i think next week we are doing an, a short story ish mm-hmm. and then i believe we have a guest episode yes well, um, we're going to be doing, I believe, a wonderful piece of nonfiction. Okay. With a with a guest. All right. Like I told you about it. I think you did, but yeah, and I can't wait to do it. I we don't want to say it on air. Okay. It's going to be a wonderful surprise. It, it, it might it might not be the episode after that because my timeline's getting okay. difficult because I'm going to be traveling for two sure. weeks. Well, so... We should do another short after um after. So next week, listeners, we're going to be doing Call of Cthulhu. We're coming mm-hmm. back to H.P. Lovecraft. Hopefully that's going to be a, a nice, easy, breezy time. <laughs> it's not, but okay. <laughs> and then I think we're going to do another bit of short fiction, maybe my choice, mm-hmm. and then we'll figure out what's next. But you can look forward to us doing Network Effect at least at least within the next, like, four to six weeks. Yeah. Look look forward to it. It'll happen. Um, I mean, I... For all, I, you, for all you Wellingtons there, all you beef Wellingtons. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, especially if it's bringing back yeah, art. Yeah, same. I yeah. can't wait. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Uh, Gabriel, feel oh, it. Do, you, do you have any, what? Can I, oh, sorry. I'll wait for after final thoughts. Okay. And I was going to say, um, final thoughts on this, this murder bot series, these first four books, these mm-hmm. first no- four novellas. Um, we can go a bit long about this because I'm curious again, these were released by tour.com Tor. and they kind of had like a huge uh, marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. Each of them are like novellas. They're only like 150 pages long. Yeah. They each of them got their own individual release. Uh-huh. Huge, like massive award-winning books and everything like that. Yeah. Like uh, Martha Wells, I, I think I mentioned this, Um, declined, uh, I think like the Nebula and maybe like the Locus Awards for best novellas after, because like the first two books won. And after yeah, that, she that, was yeah. like, she's like, uh, you don't need to. She's hogging anymore. the wealth. Yeah. Which she's, is very good of her. Yeah. Which is, which is good. Um, But so like, how do you feel overall? having read the first four books, which is essentially a single arc. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. <laughs> I, I really, ultimately, Daniel, I'm, I, I think it's all been building to me towards the novel, but maybe maybe after this one, my expectations have cooled a little bit that I don't think ultimately I'm going to get what I want, which is fine. I need to adjust my expectations that this is just fun sci-fi. I'm not, I'm not a crazy sci-fi fan, but like, I'm like, I'm not a big horror fan, Mm -hmm. but when I, when maybe because I'm so picky that if it's not up to my standards, I don't want it. I'm far more forgiving of comedy and drama because like, Oh, you're telling me about the human condition. But if you're going to be writing a genre piece, it has to be fucking great or I'm not interested. And this is good. I'm glad we did all of them. Mm-hmm. This has been I haven't read through a whole series in quite a while. And it's been a fun little bit of a journey that these are good stories. I'd recommend them to anyone. I'm not in love or anything. I might not ever even return to them. 
if there's an adaptation and I know it looks good, I'll hop onto it in a heartbeat. But I'll probably never read these ever again. I'm, I it just didn't it didn't touch me. Although you are looking forward to the next two, I'm books. looking forward to the next two books. Network, I'm going to read them. Network, not connection. Yeah, and future telemetry. Yeah, they're Fugitive. good. They're they're good enough that for example, I've been talking about this app for for weeks and weeks now. I think I told you I have the Shonen Jump app. That I was talking about all the manga, the mm-hmm. classic manga, and because it's free, because I have them, I'm just blazing through all this manga, and a lot of it isn't very good, mm-hmm. but it's fun. I laugh. Um, I, it touches my heart sometimes, mm-hmm. but they're they're not they're not that memorable, and it, it's it's kind of what what this series is for me. Murderbot is a good time. Could I have allocated that time better in reading something I would have loved? Maybe, but I don't regret it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Daniel? What were your thoughts on both Exit Strategy and as a whole and um, Murderbot Diaries, the novellas as a whole? Uh, yeah, as a whole. Um, yeah, no, I kind of agree with a lot of that. Where essentially where. I, I don't read I don't read much like sci-fi fantasy like the what I would call like the genre e mm-hmm. stories I'll read sci- science fiction it's been this thing I've been thinking about where like science fiction like real science fiction is the kind of stuff that I wish I could work on mm-hmm. but I always feel I'm not smart enough like because the stuff that like the stuff that I'm in awe of are like fucking Ted Chang and, sure yeah and oh, I, I God. think every fucking per- creative person is envious of what Ted Chang does yeah, Ted Chang's a fucking wizard it, it's it's crazy but like um Lots of like my favorite stories. I mean, look at fucking Akira. Like you know, yeah. Akira is amazing. Uh, so, you know, I, I've grew up with that Ghost in the Shell. Like these are stories that I've always loved. But like I've always th- and like this is this is solid. And I see shades of like some of the authors I like, like te- like Jeff Vandermeer. But it, like it's always not as dark, weird, or deep as I'd like it to be. That's a great point. It, it feels it. It is like kind of just like pop entertainment for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, although it explores the idea about what it is to be human, it's not never let me go. Yeah. Uh, not that it needs to be any of these. Mm-hmm. Like, again, because like it's, it's wonderful for what it is. Uh, I, I'm asking it to be less audience friendly. Yeah. Even though this book is a huge bestseller mm-hmm. and win, win all the award awards, winner, you know, and good for good for Martha Wells. And yeah. that's amazing. We're, we're just it. we're just picky. We're, we're discerning readers. Yeah. And and for for us people who have massive piles of books of things we haven't read yet, we're like we're trying to find the next thing that blows our mind, and it's fine when something doesn't blow our mind. Yeah, uh, we're we're gonna fucking read Redwall eventually. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, look at those things. Boy, I can't wait to see how those hold up. Oh, I'm so curious about that. Or I'm wondering how fast we're gonna get sick of those book that series. I think that we're gonna get we're gonna get um sick of talking about it faster than we get sick about reading it. Probably. Um, but no, I just want to say real quick, but no, it, it is, it is, how about this? It is good that like, I was able to like read all these and not be sick of them. That that yeah. basically means that she's definitely doing a good job because if yeah. this was anything less than that, like I wouldn't have stuck with it. I've been re- really I would have bailed. I mean, again, listeners, if you like sci-fi adventure, uh-huh. this is very good sci-fi adventure. Oh, totally. um, I mean, you're, you're not going to get, what's it called? Um, uh, the, what's that? The future war or whatever. The, the, the Haldeman book? The, yeah, Future, future Yeah, you're, you're not going to get a life-changing experience, but they're a great, great time. These are great yeah. beach reads. These are great, you know, like, bedside quick reads. Yeah. I highly recommend them. And and, and again, like, so overall, I'd give it, like, if I were to, if we were, if I was being snooty, I would give it, like, a letter grade. I'd sure. be like, it'd be like a B. It's a yeah, solid a strong B. B. Um, be like, be like, no, it's it's really, it's, it's great and it's interesting. And I like I always th- yeah you know what I was thinking about though and I said this when when we talked about the first uh, book with uh, Christy Bannon Brannon Bannon Brannon 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 Gannon sure uh, <laughs> Christy Gannon Christy Gannon I'm um, also known as um, uh, the the bird Pokemon that goes Cree! 
Christy. Christy. Gabe, Gabe. Um, but or me, Christy. Yeah, <laughs> gotta make that sweater. But no, we we we. we uh, I said this then, where it's like I can easily imagine these stories being from like another perspective, and Murdabot would just be the best character in it. You know, yeah. and I almost would prefer that if like mm-hmm. Dr. Mensa was the main character and you see Murderbot from her perspective. Yeah. And I think like that would be almost better. Like or, or... I, I don't necessarily need to be inside Murderbot's head. I kind of like the Murderbot character without necessarily being always in its perspective. Can, can I point? Can I can I offer this? Go ahead. I think this would be this any any of the volumes, preferably like like, like just one of them. They would be perfect as low budget sci fi films. Because there's an element of the prose that you kind of have, because if you have this much freedom, hmm. you kind of expect it to hit a little harder, hit a little deeper. I am so forgiving of a of a well-done indie, like, sci-fi budget film that I would love to see a Murderbot movie where Murderbot is a sulky, um, uh, sexless robot <laughs> who likes watching, like, um, How to Get Away with Murder in Space, and it erupts occasionally into, like, extreme violence, like, a. Um, like Akira, <laughs> like Akira, or I was gonna say like Lee Wan- Lee Wanell's um, upgrade, which I thought was a perfectly acceptable movie that I enjoyed a lot. Mm-hmm. Again, the the more that that's that movie where a guy gets a, a paraplegic gets an AI implanted into him, mm-hmm. and he starts doing a ridiculous acts of violence because the robot takes over mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful bit of physical acting where his face is like oh jesus oh god well, his and his arms are, arms like, are yeah. like killing people, <laughs> and it's it's a really good movie, and I like I think that. Maybe maybe this is Martha Wells' endgame, mm-hmm. but I would love to see this be as a visual medium because as a fully internal prose, I get a little bored. Hmm. Also, um, reading the Wonder Book thing is that like knowing about like the different types of perspective and narrations you could do, mm-hmm. and how like I yeah no like I don't know. I don't want to okay that's that's like a fucking massive thing I don't want to get into it too much but like save it for uh, when we do network effect th- yeah the idea it, or I don't know ever I mean <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe when we do another book that's on like the craft and writing and storytelling and everything like sure. that maybe but like it's really really uh, interesting shit and I'm just thinking about this because I'm also I'm also not always a huge fan of having it so like first person perspective and like always in the mind. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, every single, even the greatest books that are in that, like uh, Lolita, like Lolita, I hate to say it, can get kind of slow sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. It really does. Uh, it It's, I mean, the character is so in love with the sound of his own thoughts that yeah. like, you know, yeah. And the author was also in love with his own words. And him too. Yeah. If you read any of his other books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Oh my God, Ada or Ardor? I've yeah. never gone like more than like 50 pages in I try to read Pinin and it's it's a short book, but it's, it's woof. Yeah, yeah. I, I am. Uh... But like that said, like, yeah, no, it's, I've always been, yeah, there's other kind of styles of like a uh, perspective and such I always appreciate more. However, I feel probably a lot of people out there who are like huge readers, yeah. they, they prefer probably this because this is what prose does can do i guess know? i don't I, know I guess so. we're huge readers but yeah, i'm a slow reader yeah i don't know i suppose <laughs> we're not obsessive readers but... i actually have wrote down all the uh, books i've read this year really it's actually getting pretty long hmm yeah good for you yeah look at this one second let me show you let me oh, show you hold on, hold on he's pulling out his penis yeah see it's all these so far oh, well, so, so, some of them are short stories and of course there's four fucking uh, and then there's basically stories. yeah there's gonna be like one a week for the show yeah so like it, it's 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 pretty many. It's getting up there. I dig it. Yeah. Anyway, Daniel. Okay. Uh, 
that's the end of the show forever. No, anyway, um, what? <laughs> Jesus. Okay, Daniel. So, in honor of our dear friends yes. on the East Coast, our friends at the Whip Around Podcast, for all your weird news needs and all your Whip Around Wednesdays, where Doctor Phil and Shawnee B. Horny talk about all things macabre and scientific. Um, Shawnee B. Horny gifted us with the thought that Daniel, mm-hmm. in ten years, mm-hmm. someone's going to be saying to you, "Oh, the Murder About Diaries series. Um, my favorite is blah blah blah." I'm about to read Exit Strategy. Um, what do you remember from it? What is your hazy memory? My hazy memory is possibly going to be either that one action scene that I mentioned before of like Murderbot like jumping through the door and disarming that guy. It was just like done in such clean, fluid prose that like you got like the the visceralness out of it. <clears throat> or possibly that again when Murderbot just like admits that like it wants to win. Everything. Yeah, that, that was really a great cool. moment. That was, that was, that was as, as uh, the kids say, dope. That's some dope shit. Gabriel, mm-hmm. what is your hazy memory? Um, well, hazy memory, I had said, I said already, one, it was, um, a murder bot goes in a hotel room and is like awed by the size of the display. Yeah. And also at the very end of it, bookending it, um, that, um, a murder bot gets a room and mm. like asks only to have a huge TV. Yeah, it goes, Which, does it? Because, like, they're trying to say, like, it's an amazing room. And it's like, can I have a huge display monitor? And they're yeah, like, Pinley's like, we can yeah, get you we can get that for you. <laughs> we can get you that. Yeah, that and, yeah. The, and the wonderful action sequence I already described. So, yeah. And, and also, I do want to say that, like, in this book, I do really actually do like the characters like Pinley and Rath. Yeah, and, Pinley, like, Pinley, for, more than the others for me, I'm like, oh, has an awesome personality. Yeah, which... Like, especially because, again, like, you had a little bit of Mensa, a little bit of uh, uh, Grethen. Grethen, whatever his name is. Um, that, uh, uh, but, like, yeah, this one, like, all of a sudden, they're, they're there. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, they are. They're, they're people. They're really great side characters. They yeah. really are. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But that said, uh, you know what, Gabriel? Oh, let me let me bring this up to you, Daniel. Okay. I'm going to give you a pitch. Right. So I was gonna throw this. maybe, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, please throw it aside first. Okay. Let me throw exit strategy aside. Yeah. Sorry, bro. Daniel, maybe we can do this after um, after Call of Cthulhu. Okay, it's a bit of a demand, okay. but it I think will be really cool. War it's also peace. yeah, we're gonna warm peace. <laughs> okay. Um, so as you may know, Audible is doing a lot of original new content. You're gonna say Sandman. I'm going to say Sandman. I'm all that for it. Audible just, dropped. The, I got it already. <laughs> you did? Fuck you. Yeah. I want to get it. I, I've been, I was going to buy it. Great. So honestly, in that case, um, after Call of Cthulhu, let's do the, th- it's like 10 hours. Yeah. Let's do the 10 hour ad- um, Audible original adaptation of Sandman, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, volumes mm-hmm. one through three, starring James McAvoy, Riz Ahmed, Kat Dennings, all those wonderful people. Because I think that'll be really cool. Because one, I love Sandman. Uh-huh. Two, you're highly dubious of Sandman. Uh, hey, I like Sandman. I, I think I, you, that's a I highly read, dubious answer. I, I read all those fucking books. Yes. But I think it'll be really cool, be really interesting and exciting. And one, I can't uh, wait to hear it. Also, it's just it's just the first volume? First three volumes. First three volumes, okay. Yeah. And um, also fucking- Dream country, baby. Uh, Andy Serkis is the fucking crow. I love, I love that. Yeah, and honestly, I, I love the cast. James McAvoy as Dream. Cat Dennings, Dennings as, as Death. death. That's, 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 that's interesting. Yeah, my, my, Michael Sheen is in it. Yes, he plays a Corinthian. That's love cool. That. So, um, yeah, I think, so, Um, listeners, next week, Call of Cthulhu. Week after that, Sandman, um, Audible Original S- Creation. Yeah, whatever it's called, actually. Um, And yeah, also, because, yeah, also, we have plenty of time to do this, because, again, I'm going to be away for two weeks, so, like, yeah. listen to an hour and a day for two weeks, yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, you said it. Gabriel? Yeah. A little thing I want you to do called plug. Plug. Fuck, we're not done yet? Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't done it already, please check out Self-Evident Asian America Stories. It is a cultural heritage documentary podcast. Season two is going strong. It's all about COVID and Asia, and it is bleak, baby. But it's great, great reporting, great storytelling. My episode was episode three of season one, the talk we were supposed to have. It's about my life. I'm very proud of it, so please check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, goddamn, I don't think I have anything. Oh, sorry. Please listen to our brand new Top Gaunt Radio production. Mm. It is called AP Film, taught by film school professionals, where Katie Komets and Malu Marones, two young ladies who did not go to film school, create their own film school studies curriculum. They want you to join in with them as they watch films, break down what they love about it, and drink wine. It's mm-hmm. a great time. I'm a big fan of them already. Yes. Daniel. That that should be available everywhere. At present we're recording this. It's not on iTunes just yet or Apple Podcasts, it's called. Um, but it will be it will there when this comes out. Yay. It better have. So give that a follow. Give that a subscribe. Please listen to them. They're great. And I just want to plug the concept of dogs barking in the next room. I mean, you just have a dog and they bark in the next room and they dog just bark. keep going. Bog dark. Uh, that's it. Um, I don't want to plug my uh, social media handles right now because I think I might change the. You're line. revamping. Uh, I might be revamped the one, but uh, on Twitter it's always going to be Top Gun Radio. Not very active. I retweet a bunch of cat gifs and videos. Um, and uh, and yeah, but you can buy my fiction right now anywhere. Get your ebooks, a format that apparently I keep admitting I don't really like to read. Eh. Uh, but you can get the uh, physical copies from Amazon. They are a Cook in the Kingdom and the Shadow from the Deep. Yay! yay. And Gabriel. Oh, also check out Guru by Wondery. Oh, yeah, Guru, uh, Guru, the dark side of enlightenment, uh, the new Wondery show that uh, I uh, contributed and helped a little bit. Hey. Um, I will be in the credits for the final episode, which will probably be out, but will most definitely be out by the time that this uh, this drops. So yeah, walka, walka. Uh, check, check it out. It's fucking fascinating and cool. Um, now we now. can end the show. <laughs> I'm so tired. Sandman. Bye. Bye. Top Gallant Radio. Brought to you by Daniel Gonzalez and Gabe Mara.